Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. We'll check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. It is Mental Health Monday. Time to check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. Always good to be with you guys. Happy Mental Health Monday and looking forward to continuing our conversation in Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration. This week, going on to the next chapter, Childhood. Yes. So (laughs) I I know last week you mentioned you were very excited, super excited. Can't wait. So let's dig in. How do you define childhood? So I offer two definitions, just like I usually do. But I think that a lot of the time we have a mental image of childhood. So I kind of want to start with, if you guys don't mind being a little creative, before I tell you the definition, what comes to mind when you picture childhood? Like, let that image come up. Like, what's it look like for you? Fun, playing, siblings. It's like the word association. I like that. That's awesome. Primary colors. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Shapes. School. <laughs> good. You guys are good at this. Recording funny audio tapes with my brothers. Oh, that's fun. Yes. Oh, that's where it started. It did. I have, I have a whole origin story. <laughs> oh, that's fascinating. Oh, we'll, we're going to get to family of origin and all of those stories impact, right, on our adult lives later. But yeah, I think that sharing that and you guys both like your images, especially that came up are quite bright. You know, they're very encouraging. It sounds like even by the tone of your voice. And so we all have images in our head of what childhood means. And it's a, again, a really broad topic, but I do think it helps before people start this chapter, when they read it to kind of consider what is their image of childhood? What is the thing that comes first? What are the different things that come up for them? Because I like to point out that in America, we have like one version of what we think childhood looks like, and it usually looks like a sitcom, right? Like, I mean, this was the genius that is WandaVision, is that it worked through all of our images of childhood one episode at a time, I feel like. And so uh, being able to meet that and understand our perspective of childhood helps us to be able then to get to that place where we're able to define and build our awareness of what childhood really is, what it's intended to consist of, and then what it is kind of missing for some people and and being more compassionate about that. So a couple definitions of childhood, a time of rapid development and growth during which an individual experiences a unique formation into what various cultures and societies understand to be adulthood. And the second definition is the period of time when a young person is under the care of other individuals. So both those are important. It's, I thought, too complicated to wrap into one definition. So any words in there that stick out for either of you when I read those definitions? Rapid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, when you consider it, it is quite rapid, right? That Uh how many times do we look at a kid and say, whoa, they have really grown. (laughs) Every time. It's like the older you get, the more you're like, holy cow, like they really grow, you know? 
And it it is striking that children grow quite fast. It's interesting, too, that they grow super rapid from the time of conception through the time of adulthood. It actually gets maybe a little slower, but then there's also starts and stops. And then even as we adult, if you will, we have our own growth and development, but the the rapidness of it changes, right? It slows down quite a bit. And the the aging process does get a little bit more serious, if you will. (laughs) Um, So that rapid (laughs) development, though, is something that then impacts kids, that they are constantly growing and changing. That is a whole lot of work. (laughs) That is a whole lot of effort in each day. Like their job is to grow and to learn things. And I think that, again, we can have some compassion for the rapidness of it because they're just trying to keep up. You know, they're just trying to understand the world around them and integrate those things into their daily life, into their families and cultures and into themselves. There's a whole thing that we now know and we term executive function, which means that kind of a a mastermind of our mental faculties, if you will, like a, a tiny manager inside of us that helps us be able to think all the thoughts and then also think about thinking the thoughts and know how to make social connections and integrate all of the things that we're learning in childhood and then be able to process them and then use them. And we know that that executive function is different for different kids. And so our American education system in particular and and likely others around the world are not really built for those differences. And so that is a challenging part of childhood is trying to then be, be ourselves, be who God made us, but to do that well and in a place of safety, if you will go to the throwback of our last episode, in our places and spaces around us. And that's one where, one where family comes in to help us do that since we are young. Any other okay. words that stick out in there? Formation. Ooh, I like that word. And because it ties into the family of origin mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, you're right. I think that is an important word because... I think we like to pretend that which kids kids are sponges and they will just mm-hmm. pick things up. But at the same time, um, we are forming them, right? We're actually teaching them whether we're doing it intentionally and sitting them down and having conversations or whether we're doing it unintentionally by just our words and actions and the way we treat other people or deal with emotions and all of that stuff. Uh, I think that we forget that childhood is a time of formation. They don't just know these things. That they that they're learning how to be human beings, and it is hard work. And so that formation, I think, helps us to keep our eye on the prize to remember that they're not there yet. Now, one of the great things that we talk about in Finding Hope is that like we're never there yet. We're always working on that. And so we are actually in families of origin forming one another, you know, and in Christian families, we use the word of God, let that inform the way we inform or the way we form one another. And then we also just use it as a thing that's alive and active when we read it together, when we talk about it, when we connect with God together, that is forming us. And so, yeah, I think formation is a huge piece of childhood to help us because identity work then is the latter pieces of childhood, forming who we are as individuals and understanding that more so that we can walk into adulthood and then have our own, create our own family that we are also forming and other relationships as well. 
So you brought up family of origin. Before we talk about family of origin, you mentioned that kids are just like sponges and absorbing everything. <laughs> and it's so true. I've seen this in my own family that children absorb everything and you don't know <laughs> that they're paying attention and absorbing everything until they remind you of it or bring it up like a year later. Yep. Remember that one place we went to that one time and we had that one thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like to a year later. I like to think about the fact that their brains are so fresh. Like they're not they're not blocked up and slowed down by all the other things, right? That we are. And so mm-hmm. in many ways they are able to take in and retain just an incredible amount of information and images and sensory experiences. But this is also then Andy why kids get overloaded so easy, right? They are soaking everything in. And and if you're a sponge, it gets pretty heavy, right? It's a, mm-hmm. a lot of weight to hold. And so that's one reason why play and free play in particular, the outdoors and laughing as a family, those kind of things are so helpful for children. Um, I like to say that kids spell grace, P-L-A-Y, because that shows the freedom of Christ to them, that you can allow all of that to roll off and you don't have to hold it all and retain all of those experiences all the time. Mm -hmm. Nerf guns help with that. Mm -hmm. All right. Family of origin. You brought this up. What is important to understand about family of origin and your fun acronym for it? I love the acronym. Oh, it's so funny. I think any other social worker, counselor, anyone in any kind of like medical profession is like very familiar with FOO, right? FOO is the acronym, F-O-O. And you'll see it in documents all the time. I cannot I can't even remember a clinical note I've done probably that doesn't contain the acronym FOO because our family of origin that we grew up in is what we're talking about. The family of our origins, if you will, the place where we started um, and the place where our parents started is their family of origin and we are their current family, if you will. And so it helps to understand that while that family is a piece of our life, that piece changes, that it isn't always the same. And I think the language of family of origin helps us as adults then to hold the importance of that family, but also the impact of that family and make connections to our present situations and the way we're especially reacting or responding in situations by recognizing the place that that family had on our formation, the things that we've already talked about. It is Mental Health Monday on the Coffee Hour. We're taking a look at finding hope from brokenness to restoration with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Today, we're talking about childhood and digging into family of origin or foo, if you'd like to use an acronym. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Goldsmith. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Dun, dun, dun. 
Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. We're taking a look at the topic of childhood in Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration from Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. And so we've talked about the importance of what to understand about family of origin and the fun acronym FOO, which I don't know if anyone can say that with a straight face very seriously. (laughs) So let's talk now about belonging. What role does belonging play in our family and our childhood? Oh, it's such a good word. You know, I'm going to read to you just this little bit from the book uh, that says there are no good childhoods or bad childhoods. There are only broken childhoods touched by hope or untouched by hope. Calling our experiences of brokenness in our childhood by name doesn't negate the good parts of our childhood. A meal is more complete with Brussels sprouts and birthday cake. Christ loves families and sees them with mercy in the same way he sees us as individuals through the lens of his mercy. He walks with us to help us see with eyes of love without minimizing or hiding the brokenness of our experiences. And I wanted to read that because I think it's so tempting to see things like childhood as black and white. I can't tell you how many people say, well, I had a good childhood, right? As a preface before they tell a story that was really challenging of an experience for them. I always want to tell them like, that's great. I'm so happy. It's also okay that your childhood contained brokenness because that is just reality for all of us. And so not being black and white, not all or nothing, that childhood contains good parts and challenging parts for us. And it is challenging to understand that as we grow. Um, And so I think we can have greater belonging if we are honest about that brokenness, but with hope. When a childhood is left as too simple, that there is no brokenness, then we unfortunately feel the impact in our belonging because it's not the full picture. It's not the full story. We feel like we have to hide parts. And a lot of this is an internal mental process that we don't even know is going on. It's very unconscious. And so our sense of belonging will be stronger when we are honest about the parts of our childhood that held us and helped us feel like we belonged in that place with that family, in our role, if you will, but also in the places where we lacked that, where we felt like we didn't fit into our families, where we felt like we didn't belong, where we felt maybe a little left out. You know, as a story example, my youngest is 11 now, and he's the final member of the family to go to bed a little bit earlier than everybody else. Like we're pretty much all on the same schedule now on a later schedule because we have a lot of teenagers, but he has to go to bed a little bit earlier because his body just needs a little bit more sleep and we notice a difference if we let him stay up. I'm the youngest of a family. And I have so many memories of laying in my bed, listening to other people laugh and eat popcorn. Right. And you're like, and you imagine them having a party, like they're drinking soda. I know they are. Like, you know, they're watching all the good shows. Like, you know, it is hard to be the youngest, just as it's hard to be the oldest. It's hard to be the middle. Like all of our childhoods have complex pieces to them. And so I had to have a conversation with him and I'll I'll have it a million more times to really touch on that. I know that 
that touches on his sense of belonging. And I want him to know that he's not left out, even though, man, every piece of his body wants to tell him he is left out. I want him to know he's not and to keep wrestling with that. Sometimes that might change what I do as a parent, but sometimes it's not going. And so when we let it be complicated and also know as whether parents or caregivers or as growing people that we're not always going to do the right thing. There's always room for grace and for confession with one another and for seeing what we can do differently. Then that's also going to build our sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. What do we learn from all of the accounts of Jesus genealogy in scripture? Oh, that's good. I think it's interesting because, you know, often we talk about the genealogy kind of in a prophetic sense, like this is so useful that we can see he's from the line of David. But I do think there's really a very clear line in scripture when you follow it that shows that not one of those families is untouched by messiness. And I think that that in itself is a gift, that if the savior of the world can come from a childhood of messiness. And there's a lot we don't know about Jesus' childhood. The one uh, story of him going to the a temple and his family wondering where he is, and there's some interchange there, is always a tender one to me because it's one of the little glimpses we get of Jesus himself as a child and a normal child, but also the Savior of the world. But then the genealogy is one way we see a little bit more. So for instance, Joseph I don't know at what point Jesus lost Joseph. Like we know he's not alive later at the resurrection and or at the death and resurrection and before that. But there is definitely some impact on that loss on that family whenever it occurred. And then, you know, just keep going back when you see the names in Jesus's genealogy. Uh, David's genealogy in particular comes to mind because we have so many narratives of the messiness of that family. But yeah, I think that's a gift that in um, Ephesians, it says that all families are named by God. And I think that is really challenging for us at times to contemplate when our family has been really hard. Like, wh why would God give me this, right? Why would God give me such a challenging childhood? Where was God is a very common um, question in EMDR or in trauma therapy because uh, it felt like absence of God instead of presence of God when especially our families are harder places or had moments just like all of them that are hard. And it's, I think, comforting to know that Jesus had that too, that his lineage has that too. Earlier, you mentioned and even read uh, a section about a, a broken childhood. Can you elaborate on that a bit more? What is a broken childhood? I think that a broken childhood is a universal. We all have aspects of brokenness in our childhood. I do think it's important to note that some feel weightier in their brokenness, that it's not really just the absence of something we needed, but the presence of things that are either that were that brought trauma into our lives. And so I think that so often in the church, we want to tell people that have had that, then that Jesus is the way, that he heals, that look to Jesus. And those are all vital, vital comments, but need to be held alongside, how can I help? What can we, what can we do for you here to build that sense of belonging, 
that was absent then, uh, knowing that these hard things have been a part of your life? How can we make it safer? Just like our last episode talking about safety and knowing, how can we make it safer, safer here for you? I think being aware that brokenness is universal. We all have it. And when you look at the four different kinds of brokennesses at the beginning of the book, please apply that to family and childhood. And I think that'll give you a lot of information. But to also know that we need to be aware when there has been trauma to be trauma informed uh, so that our churches and our own homes can be places where people feel safe um, and we can build belonging. So then how do we use those experiences, uh, looking back on our, our childhoods, um, the, the brokenness in our childhoods and our experiences in our family of origin, how do those inform our current families then? Yeah, this is the coolest part is that not only does God offer healing in the person and work of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins on the cross and the resurrection, he also then from that uh, brings us healing in our past intimacies through our current intimacies. And this is a wild and wonderful thing that happens. And it has to do with attachment um, and the fact that our, our brains and our bodies, our hearts and our minds and, and our spiritual selves are made to connect with certain people in very deep ways, that that is healthy for us, that that builds that sense of belonging, safety, and knowing inside of us. And when that has been ruptured or broken with childhood experiences or adult experiences, then there are ways to have it repaired, that God weaves and works his healing in really wild ways by giving us different kinds of therapy, but also by just simply giving us relationships that heal those things over time because of their presence, their active presence, their consistency, and also through sharing our narratives, being able to share the stories that were hardest for us in a place of safety and grace. And I think it is really, really cool that God, again, gives more grace. He's always doing more for our healing. And I know that someone out there listening, that that is hard to hear and also believe. And so just know that. I hope you read the book. <laughs> and I hope that through it, and then maybe checking out some of the resources at HeidiGaiman.com, some more practical resources of places to go if you need healing from childhood trauma, that God does offer many, many ways for our bodies to heal and for our spirits also to be more connected with him, which is, you know, really, really healing. So there is hope and healing. Um for childhood trauma. I, I think someone who has experienced, for the person who has experienced childhood trauma, they may feel like there's there's no hope, that there's mm -hmm. no hope of, I don't know if normal is the word, the right word, but you know, there's, there's no hope of being normal or being like everybody else. But what you're saying is there is hope and there is healing. Yeah, just as trauma really does impact from generation to generation, and we talk about that in the book, so does hope. So does unwinding those traumas, bringing them into the light with people who care about us and are safe and are building that sense of belonging. Um, and then that impacts also then for generations to come. And every time I read scripture passages that talk about that, that uh, you know, sin to this generation and then God's faithfulness to, you know, thousands of generations. I really think that's the way it works with trauma too. You know, the, the brokenness impacts and it does impact for some time, but 
when healing comes in, when forgiveness comes in uh, for us and, and out from us, while we can still have boundaries with people that have been challenging in our lives, there is some generational work of God's everlasting love that also goes out with that for a thousand generations. So we've talked about childhood today. Where do we go next in Finding Hope? Mm, next, we're going to talk about romantic relationships. <laughs> mm, just in time for February. Yeah, that yes. is true. That is true. You know, it's funny. I almost <laughs> named this chapter marriage, and we can talk about that next time too. But um, I was like, I think that's a little too specific. And so there is a lot about marriage, but I, as I got into it, I realized especially uh, young adulthood and the like leaving of the home and then also our uh, attempts to find a companion, if you will, and our desire for some romance in our life, all of that needed to be talked about. And so we'll get into a wide and varied amount of things that have to do with romantic relationships, brokenness, and hope next time. Mental Health Monday on the Coffee Hour. Heidi, thanks so much for being with us today. Check out Heidi's book, for finding hope from brokenness to restoration from Concordia Publishing House. Have a great week, Heidi. Thanks for having me. See you next time. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golsa. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.